Welcome everyone to episode 167 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin as we discuss Liverpool's 1-1 draw at Luton. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Well, it's bonfire. I don't know if you could hear the fireworks in the background in the intro. I think that's going to be a bit of a recurring theme as we go here. Not much that can be done about that, unfortunately. I don't think they are going to pause for Reds Unrestricted. But it was something you could also hear at the uh, Kenilworth Road Stadium uh, during the second half. Unfortunately, Liverpool weren't able to produce any fireworks. And I'm sorry, I, I've had to go for that segue. Um, but... It wasn't until the 95th minute that they actually managed to get a goal, equalising through Luis Diaz after uh, Tahit Chong had given Luton what looked like it was going to be a famous winning goal in the 80th minute. But in the end, Liverpool come away with a draw. It has to be considered um, one of the biggest disappointments of the season so far, really, to to fail to beat uh, Luton Town, who are widely fancied for relegation. But we'll see if we can find some positives from it later in the podcast, obviously, after we talk about what went wrong. So, first off, Chris, three-head match reviews and your assessment of, before we get into the performance, your assessment of that result and, and how disappointed you are with it, really. For my three words, Dave, I'm going to go with no cutting edge because I don't believe a 95th-minute equaliser against a team that, as you say, so widely tipped for relegation constitutes cutting edge. Um, if Liverpool had been clinical today, it would have been well out of sight before Luton even had a sniff. And a few minutes before Luton's equaliser, I I said they 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 are going to get a chance here. It was just the you know, it feels like we've seen that game so many times, and then typically break away. Finishing it well, ultimately, it's a very well-taken goal by Chung, you have to say. But it was a goal that you kind of saw coming, despite Liverpool's possession. And it's all well and good being dominant possession. But if you don't score and take advantage of that, then what is ultimately the point? And I don't want us to steer away from not giving Luton the respect they deserve here. It's a phenomenal point. It's, It's probably... I know they got the win at Goodison Park, but this probably means a bit more to them in some ways to get a point against six times European champions at Kenilworth Road. It, it is it's a massive day for them, and you know they, they fair play. They grounded out, defended well for the most part, um, and ultimately, I, I think they'll they'll feel they they very much deserve it. And who are we to to say that they don't? But um, ultimately, if Liverpool had had that decisive cutting edge today there would have been nothing other than a win and I understand how people could say it's not two points drop because Liverpool didn't have the lead at any point but given what other teams that are going for Liverpool's aims this year are likely to do against Luton you have to feel that certainly it, it's a it's a chance missed if not two points dropped yeah, um, I, I I certainly don't think that the fact that Luton scored first means that you can look at this as as a point gained. To be honest, I was saying to you before we came on, Chris, that Liverpool find themselves in this really depressing situation after that 80th minute opener, where they were going for an equaliser for what would have been a poor result anyway. Yeah, and that's what I, I said. You know, straight after the game on Twitter was that it's it, a good way to get a bad result. Um, it sort of softens the blow that the equaliser came 
so late in a way. But I think, you know, you've still got to be bitterly disappointed with that. Um, my three-yard match review is an unhappy throwback because more struggles um, against newly promoted teams. And sitting here, Chris, I, I do feel a little bit like we're recording one of the podcasts that we did last season, the many that we did after disappointing games like this. October 2021, the last time Liverpool won against a promoted team away from home, I believe, the 5 0 against Watford. And I know that this problem, obviously, it's been particularly pronounced lately, mm. but it's been something that I think has followed Klopp a little bit sort of through the years. And obviously, you know, in the, in, in the best seasons, it's died down a, a touch, but it does, it does feel like the strange Achilles here that Liverpool have. And I think that was the reason that today, Coming into it, I had a bit of a bad feeling. You know, last week before the game against Nottingham Forest, a better team. Obviously, we're at home, but, you know, they're a stronger side. I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm confident Liverpool are going to go out and win comfortably today. But but this week, I just had this sense the past couple of days that it was going to be really tricky. Um, and that I think I went for a 2 on win and when I was sort of doing my predictions beforehand. Um, obviously, it ended up being even even more challenging than that um, in reality. But there's just something about kind of, I know this is maybe a bit of a weak excuse, but, but something about kind of that stadium, the kickoff time, you yeah, know, every, yeah. everything around it, it just lends itself to like a game that is a lot more difficult than you'd anticipate given the quality gap. And in a way, I think if Liverpool have come away with that, you know, say we're going to come on to it, but say Nunez scores that goal in the 70th minute and Liverpool win 1-0, even though you're playing a team that will likely go down this season, it would feel like a big result just because of that. Like it's one of those games that feels like a bit of a test of your metal in that sense. Um, and unfortunately, Liverpool weren't able to pass it. I think there's obviously, you know, we're talking about last season and, and similar results that Liverpool had. I think this time there is obviously caused a bit more moderation. You know, generally speaking, there's been. A lot of positivity this season, a lot of justified positivity, but it's kind of a setback um, for this Liverpool 2.0 side, unfortunately. And you can't shake the sense that it's going to be one that we look back on at the end of the season. And maybe Liverpool will be in a situation where they're five points um, adrift of the team directly above and directly below, and they're on a bit of an island, and it doesn't really matter that much. But yeah, it just feels like one of the results that kind of follows you a little bit through, through the whole campaign. When you look at Luton's home form as well, I get what you mean because it's so tight in. Even like the commentators, they are literally above the dugouts. That's how tight Kenilworth Road is. But let's not sit here and and say that teams have been intimidated going to Kenilworth Road this season. They've got a point against Wolves, and Wolves took the lead with 10 men in that game. Burnley, who I think have been the worst team so far this season in the league, went there and won. And West Ham went there and won as well. So it's not as if they've got an incredible home record. But it just felt like today, we reached a point where there were no ideas. It really did feel like the intimidation kind of took over at times. And you mentioned Nunez, and obviously we will come on to him for not as happy reasons as has been on previous podcasts. But when a chance like that goes missing, I'm talking about the earlier one when he hits the bar, that just gives Luton that sense of, right, we've got off the hook there. Let's be even more compact 
and let's make things even more difficult, which ultimately they did. But the side point is, again, once again, I haven't mentioned there, Spurs went there and won 1-0 with 10 men for over a half. So that's what Spurs went and did there. And already you could say in terms of that kind of battle, if you like, that's two points up on Liverpool in in terms of just that one scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it it just always had the feel that it was going to be as frantic as it was. I just think with kind of the atmosphere and, you know, the the occasion and stuff like that. I mean, so about compact the stadium is, I mean, it was, it's a bit of a just watching it. Um, I've not actually, I mean, I watched, I think I watched the game where Luton played Tottenham, but kind of, I I only had one eye on that one watching it and seeing when the ball was near the uh, touchline by the dugout, the cameras literally right down on the players. It is a bit of a a surreal one, but anyway, that's a little bit beside the point. I want to come on to the performances in a sec. Just before that, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, Credit to Jamie Carragher for calling out the the chanting that we could all hear at pretty much max volume on on our TVs. Um, And I think too often the you know, the members of the media, be it televised or, or written or whatever, sit there and and hear and hear those chants and just kind of let, let it pass by a little bit and have a bit of a deaf ear towards it. I think, you know, it's good to hear Carragher say, call, call, call out what it is and the press and that we're still having to deal with it in, in 2023. But um, at least there is a bit more awareness of the issue now. Um, so I did, I did want to make sure we, we touched on that in some capacity, but... On the Liverpool performance then, Chris, I mean, where did it go wrong? And I suppose you can look at it from kind of the the broader team perspective before we come on to to some of those individuals who had an off day today. Where did it go wrong? We have only got 25 minutes, half an hour, right? (laughs) Um, A few things, really. I mean, a couple of hours before the game, when I heard rumours about Joe Gomez starting a left-back in place of Costas Simicas, that was a bit of an eye-opener, or a bit of an eyebrow-raiser for me. Um, I know Simicas played at Bournemouth in the week, but ultimately, he should be first-choice left-back, really, now, until Robertson comes back. And I don't think Gomez did anything to really justify his selection, to be honest. Um He's obviously a lot more suited to right-back in terms of getting forward, and when you're a right-foot at left-back, how much really can you get forward? Um, so I felt Liverpool were quite limited in that regard. Um, the midfield, I, Gravenberg was the only shining light for me in the midfield, I, I have to say. Um, the only one really trying to make, really trying to get things going and make things happen. Um, I know Alexander-Arnold picked out a great pass to Nunez and, and obviously laid it on a, what we thought was a plate for both Mo Salah and Darwin Nunez. Um, but again, I just thought there was really a lack of invention today. And a lot of, as you mentioned, kind of getting used to the atmosphere and that. Sometimes I feel Liverpool can have the ball for about five minutes in order to create a chance. But then the second they give the ball away, the opposition are up to within Liverpool's 20 yards in about five seconds. And again, every time Luton broke, I just felt there was panic. And I don't really know where that panic came from because there's been signs of immense composure in recent weeks. So going back to what you said, really, the throwback, the throwback to the unnecessary panic, the unorganised nature of the defending at times. 
and just overall, it felt it felt like the side never really got going today for one reason or another. I think I, I see it sort of slightly different to you. At half time, I wasn't particularly concerned, and I was reasonably pleased because, as much as it wasn't Liverpool at their best, you know, each each member of the front three had had a, a big chance. You know, Nunez had hit the bar. Um, Salah had had one where the ball broke to him from a set piece. He should have scored. Um, Jota had one as well, where he probably should have gone across the goalkeeper. The Jota one's probably the most difficult, but it's still a clear side to goal. So it was just a case of, you know, keep that up and just take one of the chances and, you know, you go away with the results. But the second half, even the first five minutes, started really scrappy. And that just set the tone for the entire half. And Liverpool just lost that composure. And it, they allowed it to become the kind of scruffy game that really just suited Luton, unfortunately. Um, and it, it was really frustrating to see it kind of go in that direction. I think there was a stat that came up that, that said that in the first 15 minutes of the second half, Liverpool only had one shot. So it was probably their worst period of the whole game. And I just don't think they were able to kind of recover from that. So I, I thought what I'd seen in the first 45 minutes, while it wasn't vintage Liverpool by any means, was like was pretty much fine. But then the second half, Liverpool just, just lost their way, um, to be honest. Um, obviously, like I said before, there's a few individuals who who struggled here. I mean, the one we probably got to start with is Nunez. Obviously, the, the point to clarify here is that technically on field, this goal wouldn't have stood because um, Salah was flagged offside. But every angle well, that we've seen on the replay suggests that VAR would have given it if, if Nunez attended in when Salah headed it back across. Um, I know you've got one or two points you wanted to make about Nunez off the back of this, Chris. So the floor is yours, I suppose. Yeah. Um... I don't want to go in on the guy, first of all. I I think that I'm echoing the thoughts of many others with the thoughts that I've got. And they're along the lines of, it's all well and good when he picks the ball up after a touch after getting jeered and drives inside and whips one into the top corner from 20 yards. Though Those kind of things are all well and good. And the support he has from the fans, absolutely. The amount he's admired, the amount people say oh, he's, he's this fantastic agent of chaos. Again, those things almost come with the Darwin Nunez package. Sooner or later, however, those things won't count for anything if he does not take those opportunities. Because those opportunities are the differences in seasons. That, that's two extra points that Liverpool would have had on the table because they had a number nine who could score a close-range instinctive finish. If it was a one-off, I think we'd all kind of sit back and go, all right, yeah, yeah. they happen to the best. Of, they happen to the best. I'm pretty sure every elite forward I've ever watched, I could go through a career and find one utter shocker. I'm sure, I'm sure I could. Messi, Ronaldo. Benzema, Suarez, Torres, everybody. But this isn't an anomaly. This is what we've seen from Darwin Nunez for over a season now. And he has got better in many aspects. I've said this on podcasts. I'm not saying that he's not improving because he's improving in, in many ways. I'm loving his decision-making at the moment. I think his runs are great. He, he's, he's, he's becoming more intelligent in his forward play. 
So I'm, I'm complimenting him there big time. But the finishing is an issue. It's absolutely an issue. Even the one where he hits the bar, I'm thinking he should be doing better on that. I know it's. I know he's got to take it maybe a bit quickly, but even so. But that miss, it, it, it is. I genuinely believe it's up there in terms of some of the worst I've seen in the Premier League. Just because there's nobody around him, he could have gone with either foot. Could have even taken a touch, to be honest. And I saw your tweet literally just before we came on the podcast as well, saying that this is now up to him to prove doubt is wrong. This is up to him to not let self-doubt come in because we've seen so many good signs from Darwin Nunez. This can't afford to be a setback for him. But it's even little things like, say the Nottingham Forest goal, a two-yard tapping ends up in the roof of the net. He's making close-range finishing look dramatic when it should be really straightforward for a forward of the ability that we, that we know that he has. So, I think that it's all, again, to repeat myself, all well and good, scoring those great goals, having the support, people loving him for his craziness. But sooner or later, that craziness needs to, come, needs to become composure. Otherwise, it could really cost Liverpool. I think you make a lot of really important points there, to be fair, Chris. And Thank you. There is, <laughs> there is like... I mean, I think Liverpool fans have been really good with Nunez, like in terms of the patience that they've shown. I think he's had a lot more support than, than other players have enjoyed. And to be fair, a lot of that is because he has shown encouraging signs and, and things like that. But I agree with you that sometimes you've just got to kind of put a lean just to one side and just realise that this guy misses too many sitters. I mean, I yeah. think that, that's, that's the bottom line. Um, and... I do think if the pattern goes on too long, then patience will run out. I think, I think you're right on that. Not to kind of get too like statistical about it, but Nunez, I think he literally just has to match his XG more or less because the quality of his movements um, and the extent of Liverpool's sort of creativity, that combination means he's going to get you know so many opportunities. If he is matching his XG, then it's fine, you know. We're talking about, you know, Darwin Nunez is going to explode this season. We don't need him to finish like Son Heung Min or or whoever. Like we don't need him to be one of the most clinical players in the league. That's not the the, the version of Nunez that I see as kind of post explosion. If you like, it just needs to be a player who kind of finishes at an average rate. To be honest, and you want a tapping merchant. You want a tapping merchant. Yeah, but that's what like it's making the sometimes it's like the difficult things look simple. And the simple things look difficult in his case. And it's, yeah. I think that's why people kind of love him in some ways. But it's also like, it's, is that a recipe for to sort of success long term? I'm not sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, that's what I mean. I think he just needs to literally be an average finisher. And there's been obviously real signs of improvement this season. We shouldn't lose sight of that. And we shouldn't jump in. And I'm like, you say, Chris, um, just off the back of this one miss. But it's, it's sustaining that for a full season, really. Um, and I don't like it. Like I say to reiterate, I don't think we're ever going to see a, a striker who is especially clinical um, at Liverpool. And I think it literally just has to be doing the basics in front of goal. Like I, I honestly don't think. And this sounds 
crazy to say of a player who should be targeting 20 plus Premier League goals, but I don't think the bar is that high for, for Nunez to be sort of a you know one of the top five scorers in the Premier League or something like that because of his foundational skill set and because of you know the supply that he's getting. I tell me if you agree with this or not. If I was to rank Salah, Jota, Diaz, Gakpo, Nunez, in terms of that one goal, in terms of that one chance, and who was the most likely to finish it down to the least likely, I'll be honest, if any of the other four were in that position, I would very much have expected it in the back of the net. Yeah. And that is the concern. I said afterwards, if I was Jota in that position, goal, no problem. That's... That is the big kind of concern that he's not someone that you would back in that scenario. And I'd probably back my grandma to finish in that scenario. So that is the concern going forward that he needs to be finished in the simple chances, really. And that that's the problem. I think, you know, like if you just take half of the sitters that he's missed. Yeah in his Liverpool career and turn them into goals, then everything is a lot rosier as well. Like, this is what I mean about a low bar. And obviously, you, you touched on it, Chris. I mean, the thing with the confidence, you know, he just looked so fragile last season. And I think what we see before the international break is going to be quite important because if he can kind of get back on the horse a little bit in those games, then that's really reassuring and he kind of reasserts himself a bit. But if he looks like a player who's taken a knock and that he's lost all his momentum, then it's a bit like, well, hang on, can we really afford to be going through this emotional journey all the time? Um, and yeah, I mean, just to kind of stress, I mean, obviously Nunez, I think generally speaking, everyone's been really pleased with how he's done this season. Today's a bad day. And the question is the response, essentially. Yeah. And I think we're still, we're still obviously, you know, very encouraged by the steps that he's made. I think his manager is too. And it, it was a collective failing today, and he certainly wasn't the only one who would be very disappointed with how he played. I think a couple of you know Liverpool's best players this season, Mohamed Salah, really, really bad in, in this game, to be honest. Like, not even in terms of you know missing chances, just things like as basic as controlling the ball. Like, I think it was probably about three occasions where he couldn't keep it in play um, when it was kind of played played in behind for him. And obviously missed a uh, an opportunity himself too. So I think he's had a knack this season of when he's played like that, he's still come away with a goal and assist somehow. But there was no such luck today, obviously. And also, I think you know we've raved about him so many times. Sobersly struggled in this game, I'd say, to impact it to the same extent. And that means that he, he actually came off uh, the first time in the Premier League this season. He played every single minute. Uh, before before then, but I don't think he could argue too much with the decision to bring him off. Probably his worst display in Liverpool shirt, really. I think yeah. I saw people saying he wasn't great against Everton after Everton went down to ten. But yeah, I, I the amount of times he lost possession to Ross Barkley as well. I I would say that it was it was his worst display in Liverpool shirt. Uh, worth mentioning as well, McAllister suspended for the Brentford game after yeah. his fifth yellow card. Whether that means he's more likely to play against Toulouse now. Might actually see him in a proper position if Endo plays as well. So might actually see what a forward-thinking Alexis McAllister is able to do. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. We'll go back to the midfield. Um, this wasn't the invention there for me today. Um, and then 
when there wasn't the protection for the uh, for the breakaways, I thought Canate looked panicked at times. Hmm. Um, Ogbené absolutely blitzed Alexander Arnold in the second half. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've said just a side point on Luton, by the way, like they are they're being a lot more competitive than I, I I didn't think they'd be blown away by everybody, but I certainly expect them to kind of be a comfortable bottom. They're proving me wrong in that respect. And players like Ogbené are doing that. He wasn't phased at all. It was a Republic of Ireland International. I'm not expecting him to be phased exactly, but you know, he wasn't phased at all by Liverpool's defence. And he really kind of showed an arrogance towards them. And I think Liverpool kind of struggled to deal with that at times. In fact, they were actually being taken on in that regard. Um, but yeah, overall, a, a lot of players struggling. And it does kind of raise the question now, given that. Liverpool's next Premier League away game is at the Etihad. And you do wonder whether a kind of plan has to be put in place on the defensive side of that. Because if that midfield really struggled to kind of create and contain Luton at times, I'm not really looking forward to how it attempts to contain Rodri, Silva, Foden, Doku, Grealish and Alvarez and Haaland, to be honest. Yeah, I think, um, obviously... Even looking ahead to that City game, that that's why picking up points is the point he wants to make earlier. I think we looked at the this stretch of games between the international breaks. Thought this kind of has to be twelve out of twelve from a title race standpoint. Um, so it's costly from that angle as well. But maybe if you're looking at it on a positive spin, maybe you go and pick up bonus points elsewhere that you wouldn't expect to get. And obviously, the Etihad is probably the prime example of that. There is certainly some kind of making up to do um, from that angle. And one other thing, I mean, on the counter attacks, I mean, you mentioned Liverpool's susceptibility to them. I thought when they actually had counters as well, I mean, in, against Forest, when they were able to kind of attack into space, they were absolutely lethal. Here, though, they were, the execution on the counters was so poor. And there was so, like, it looked like some of their best opportunities, and they just weren't able to sort of even get them into a shooting position, which was really frustrating as well. So it was one of them where usual strengths became weaknesses, and I think that applies to individuals and the team collectively as well. But, like I said, right at the start of the podcast, we will try and finish on some positives. Chris, you mentioned grabbing Birch earlier. I mean, a word on him and, and anyone else you think can kind of hold the head high after today? Yeah, I thought, especially in the first half, though, he was magnificent. Um, I thought he was the only really midfield force looking to drive and take the game to Luton. He did it several occasions. Obviously, he played it in through to, to Jota for his opportunity. A uh, bit quieter in the second half, but again, I think as you alluded to, it was a quieter second half display from the entire team. Um, I think I'm seeing a lot again. We're seeing week on week from Van Dyke. We are seeing things like you know, even carrying the ball out from defence, um, which he did at times today. Um, Allison just being Allison. Look, there's nothing he could do for the goal. It's a great cross. It's a good finish. Um, but there were times, obviously, saves a goal when Morris, when it falls to Morris from Ogbené's run. Um, I'd say they're, they were the main three. I mean, of course, in terms of starters at least, but we have to say Luis Diaz, everything that he's been through to come in and make that impact again. Um, I thought Harvey Elliott, again, Pep Linders, said about how consistent he's been in training and how good he's looking in training. Um, unfortunately, he's just not finding a way into the midfield at the moment. But again... His best displays this season have been off the bench, and he comes on and gets an assist. Um, so again, there are there are definitely positives to take 
but it's just very kind of difficult to see them in the raw aftermath, really, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. Um, I mean, just to, to sort of Sean Diaz, it's it's unbelievable that with all that's going on, he's been able to not only train with his teammates, but to kind of make the trip to Luton, to, to feature in the squad, to come on, and then to score a goal as well. You know, it's absolutely... I think there's a lot of us who wouldn't even be able to begin to think about doing our jobs if we were going through what he was going through. So I think the level of kind of bravery that he's shown on a pure human level today is absolutely extraordinary, really. So, you know, immense credit to him. On kind of the other Liverpool performances, I think, you know, Graven Birch, enjoying watching him every single time he plays, to be fair. Um, you know, I mentioned before how the team got frustrated and lost their composure. He was that one player who kept that calmness, showed that quality. You know, just watching him kind of take the ball, spin and run into space is just... It's one of kind of the best, like, subtle things about watching Liverpool games this season, I think. Um, and it's, you know, he, he had an extra opportunity today in a way with this minor injury that Curtis Jones had to kind of try and nail down that place. If Jones is back for Brentford next week, hopefully it's not one of those minor injuries that becomes six weeks out of nowhere. But if he is back for that, then it's going to be very interesting to see. And obviously City after the international break, which of those two players has the edge at the moment because Graven Birch is really pushing hard. Um, and he obviously came close to scoring himself as well. I think that was actually the chance that led to the corner uh, for the Luton goal with, with the counter afterwards. And Elliot should have stopped that counter, to be fair, but but on the ball, he was providing width on the right side, which the didn't have today. Like it, The team looked lopsided today with Soboslai and Salah playing too narrow. And then you're watching it and you're like, OK, Trent's going to overlap. But then Trent's probably like, well, hang on, no, I'm playing... I'm playing, you know, in central midfield here. I don't want to go too wide and compromise us. And it's just like nobody really knew who was going to kind of shift that wide, stretch yeah. loop and form that triangle. Um, but Elliot, when he came on, did that. I don't know if Klopp told him to, you know, put a big emphasis on that. And obviously, he gets the assist, doesn't he, for the equaliser and puts in a couple of really good crosses before that. So I think the frustrating thing for him is that when he started games, he hasn't really, you know, we talk about Graham Bench, he hasn't really made his case in the same way. But um, it's obviously invaluable for, from a squad standpoint to have someone who can come on and, and change the game um, in that sense. And obviously, I think without him, today, Liverpool would have lost. So, you know, credit to him. And as much as Trent really did struggle against Doc Benet, um, I think it, we should also acknowledge some of the quality that we saw with, with his deliveries. Like he could have easily had a couple of assists today. Um, and it's one of them, isn't it, where you only really talk about these players when they actually do get the assists and like with the Allison save, I'm glad you mentioned it, Chris, because it could easily be something that's forgotten. You know, if Liverpool win that game one, it'll say, oh, classic Allison to the rescue type thing, but people won't really mention it now. But I'm glad that we've kind of touched on those kind of contributions that um, shouldn't be overlooked just because Liverpool didn't get the results that they wanted. And the one last thing I'd say is a positive, which is maybe a little bit of a stretch, is that, you know, you look at the actual table of we'll have actually climbed a place and um, Arsenal got beat by Newcastle yesterday um, so after 11 matches Liverpool are um, above Arsenal albeit only on goals scored it's very close between those two um, Aston Villa lost earlier as well so slight, slightly larger cushion to the teams um, kind of looking down the table although uh, Newcastle were able to uh, to beat Arsenal as well so they've closed in a little bit the worry obviously is you know City three points ahead now and um, 
and Tottenham can go five points ahead if they beat Chelsea on Monday night. But I still think everyone probably expects Liverpool to be above Tottenham at the end of the season. But equally, you've got to go out and do that job and not just assume that Spurs are going to fall away and that you're going to sort of naturally leapfrog them. But yeah, I think we'll leave it there uh, for today's podcast. Nice to finish on a slightly more optimistic note. If you have enjoyed it in spite of the result, please do give us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Remember as well to follow the podcast and press the notification button. We'll be back after Thursday night's game against Toulouse, where we'll have the chance to seal progression to the knockout stages and issue a response to today's disappointing results. So we will see you then.